0: I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors by actors. Brought to you by Bookit.
1: How you doing? Good. I just got back from a vacation for the Miami. first time in in a year and a half. California and Florida was lovely. Great to have a, a change of scenery out the window for the first time in what seems like forever. So that was nice. Very, very nice.
0: Very nice. And um, yeah, you you came to California. We had a great we saw time. You. Showed yeah. you my place was lovely. So I'm glad that you're feeling like a human being again, and you get to actually move around <sighs> nice the and re- country. and Nice and refreshed. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, well, we are very, very excited. We've got a great, great show today. Um, she's known for her role in the CBS hit series, Blue Bloods, as Detective Abigail Baker. Other appearances include The Jim Gaffigan Show, Law & Order SVU. Please welcome... TV and film actress, Abigail Hawk. Hi, Abigail.
2: Oh, hi. Is that my cue? Oh, hi. Oh, hi. I have arrived. Hello. Yes, you're here. Welcome,
0: <laughs> welcome. Sit down. Grab a thank yeah. Grab a, grab a coffee. Grab anything oh. you want there. Oh, thank you. There's some I'll pastries just, over I'll, there. Yeah. yeah, I'll
2: just <laughs> grab this, this tea.
0: Yeah, okay. No? Nice. Welcome, yep. welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you here. Abigail, you're a... um. You're a Chicago native, correct?
2: Nope, nope, I'm not. The internet has what? lied. It's true. Listen, I need to set the record straight right now because I've tried <laughs> on IMDb and Twitter. All right, and the whole Sydney. world is listening, the so whole, go ahead. Yes, the entire world is listening, so I'm going to set the record straight right now, okay, go for ahead. the 50th time. But this is going to be the last time, obviously, because everyone- She was
0: born me. in Lambert, Illinois, not I was.
2: I was born. Um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I always have been. Um, I was born there at Piedmont Hospital, um, and I am not, in fact, Piedmont's born- great hospital. Such a great hospital, yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> um, I remember every moment. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was not born May fourth, nineteen eighty five. I was born April eighteenth, nineteen eighty two. So, although I appreciate the internet trying well, to make me you nice. years younger, you know, and. It's, some ageist bullshit. I am yeah. proudly 39. Love it. Not 36.
0: Love it. So, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. um, how I know long it's did much you? That's
2: interesting. <laughs> how,
0: not even close. No, I'm very interested in, in, in well, you, you, it's a Southern upbringing.
2: How was, it, how was growing is. up
0: in, in Georgia?
2: You know, um, I loved the people that I grew up around. I was very ready to leave. Uh, when I turned eighteen, um, just because I wanted to spread my wings a little bit and um, see what else was out there, so I, I got a theater scholarship to the University of Maryland um, and decided to you know go to a liberal arts school because I really I didn't it, the, let me not get ahead of myself. I loved Atlanta. I had a fabulous agent there. Um, I did a television series when I was um, twelve with Ryan Seacrest, um, which a lot of people don't know. And I absolutely worshiped him. He was 19 and I was madly in love with his Zach Morris comb over hair style that was happening, this like effortless (laughs) beach wave thing. And he was this poor dude that got trapped in our attic computer upstairs somehow, you know, like he lived in the house before we bought it and he got trapped in the computer And he would take us on all kinds of adventures and like in hindsight, like that's really effed up because this poor dude's trapped in a computer for the rest of his life and he's just like quantum bits and we're just like, hey, take us on adventures, Jack Craft. We want to know about it. It's so weird. Anyway, it was a (laughs) a (laughs) 90s. Yeah. It was very, very weird. It was very short-lived. I filmed it, you know, the summer between sixth and seventh grade and I thought that was going to be my big break, you know. Sure. It wasn't. That's odd. Um, I know it's really, really odd, but you know, <laughs> clearly it set the stage for Ryan's success. So um, yeah, we're, we're happy for him.
0: He's um, doing pretty good.
2: I think he's okay. Yeah, I think he's gonna. Ma- I think he's gonna make it, guys.
0: <sighs> so when you were twelve, were you like begging your parents to go to, um, you know, auditions and all that stuff? This is well before The Walking uh, Dead, and well before Georgia he's... became kind of this big, big
2: oh. film. Most of this is before Atlanta was anything other than just a hotbed of humidity, um, yeah, which it still is, yeah, yep. Um, and the Coca Cola Museum, which is actually a really cool place. Um, I love it, soda from all over the world. Um, so you know, it's interesting because I'd say my my foray into acting really started when I was six um, because I auditioned for my, my mom took me to audition for a community theater production of the sound of music. And I got cast uh, as the role of, in the role of Gretel. And that, that was
0: cute little Gretel.
2: That was it for me. I mean, like I was just, I felt I had met my people. Um, It was, you know, I made friends that I actually still talk to, to this day. Um, Oh, that's amazing. I met my voice teacher who became like a second mom to me. Um, I took professional voice lessons from her for until I graduated high school uh and moved. So from age six to eighteen, she was, you know, my second mom um and my therapist wow. and many other things. Poor woman. Right. Saint. Um
1: <laughs> She's like, she We're here for singing.
2: The, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. just I was here like, for <laughs> singing. <laughs> I just, I just don't want to have to wear a padded bra anymore. I just, he doesn't like me for me. I mean, like this, I made her listen to all the songs that I wrote on piano, which were obviously terrible and very like teenage angst, uh, driven, you know, every, every other thing was like, I just want to flush myself down the toilet. Like I was very dramatic. Um, anyway, so, you know, once I did that production, um, I just was like feverish for all of them. And so my mom would drive me around, you know, and I mean, I don't know how eighties parents survived. I mean, I guess because we didn't have like the internet and, you know, all that stuff going on. So there was more time in the day. Like it wasn't this time suck that it is now. Um, But, you know, I had piano lessons. I had sports. I had two different choirs that I was in the voice lessons and theater productions, not to mention Girl Scouts and like all the after school stuff that I did. And somehow there was still time in the day to like go over to my best friends and play in the Creek for four hours every day. Like I don't, speaking of how weird time is, you know, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> that. Um, So, so I did like 10 different productions, you know, just boom, 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 and became known as, you know, the theater girl at my school. Like all my friends would come see my, you know, the whole Girl Scout troop would come see my shows. And,
0: and, and uh, when you were, when you were in this zone of like, this is what I like to do. This is what I want to do. And you're doing it were you know, did you acknowledge that this was something that in the future you were going to make this your life or was this something that you just said, I love doing this? And yeah. I, I know, mean, questions.
2: it just was, it just felt inherently mine. Um, and I just was—I ne- was so sure, and that feeling really remained. I mean, I—I I think I went through, you know, the same phases that most kids do, where they're like, "Oh, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be, you know, a marine biologist. I'm going to be an entomologist." You know, I—and I mean, I like—and you're
0: like, "I wonder what I'll wear to my late date." What
2: am I going to? Should I go <laughs> with? like the outfit from Greece and be a pink lady when I show up <laughs> and work with the dolphins what am I going to do? Isn't
0: it wild that I mean you're not the first person to say this where we had something years 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 ago when we were young before we got littered with the idea that you have to hate what you do for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like you know we just wanted to do this early early on and Yes. It's And weird, not isn't everybody
2: it? not everybody is like that but I just I just loved it. I loved the instant family and community that uh, I got from theater. I loved the fact that I was accepted. Um, there were no questions act, asked. I was allowed to be myself. You know, I, I was such a quick study, and I memorized everybody's lines, not just my own. Um, so I was very bossy. You know, when people went messed up, I was like, oh, no, "Right, your, yeah, your your line is actually it's this. There's a little ellipses, and you have right. to know your
0: cue, Billy. Yeah, exactly." come on
2: come on Um, you know so then like um I did this
1: the director's uh, like why am I even here
2: (laughs) I got I got kicked out of a play when I was nine somewhere between like eight and ten I was doing a production of um Snoopy and I was cast as Woodstock and apparently I was, um, you know, too ADD to continue. Like they were just, I was with like a whole bunch of high school kids. This was, you know, and this was like a good community theater, like mix of professionals and, you know, equity and non-equity actors. And I mean, they just, they went up to my mom and they were like, um, we can't, we can't do this. She can't focus. <laughs>
0: like, all these kids are the crazy kids, but then then there's her and she's yeah, she's, and she's crazier she's, than the crazy she's kids. She's like
2: flipping <laughs> over the theater chairs and she won't stop talking. So we're just, we're going to have to recast. It's just not working out.
1: You well, if you know Charlie what? Brown would get I on his mark, we them. wouldn't be Thank here, you. would you. <laughs>
2: Thank you. If Snoopy would actually lay on top of the doghouse like he's supposed to, I wouldn't have to do his job. Amateurs. They'd given Woodstock some lines. Like I have look at the
1: source material, everyone. Look at the source material. (laughs) Oh rude. Been around for decades.
0: Do your research. How about that? Oh my god. So rude.
2: Um, (laughs) so yeah, then I like then she started. I mean, my mom, like I can't even tell you how much I owe my mother because she was not, she wasn't a stage mom. She was she was only doing the shuttling around of everything as long as it was fulfilling me it was not a, you need to go to this. You need to go to this. It's time for this. It was a, is this still feeding you? Is this still, you know, is this what you want? And she had the option, her and my dad, you know, they, they gave me the option, um, pretty early on, I'd say like, you know, middle school, right before high school to, you know, homeschool and start trying to do this professionally and be a child actor. And I said, no. Um, and so i you know, I didn't go that route and there's a huge break, you know, in my career um, where I didn't do anything except just And why be was a kid. that? You because wanted I'd, to be a kid. Because I wanted to be a kid. Um, and I did all the, of the, um, you know, the high school musicals and the middle school musicals and I did show choir and I still, you know, took my voice lessons and stuff. And then I would audition for, um, little television things, um, bit parts in movies, you know, things that were happening local and, and my agent would send me out and stuff. And, you know, there was, um, when I was 15, I thought I was going to get another big break. Um, and I booked a, or I'm sorry, I almost booked, um, this is one of those soul crushing things that has just, you know, defined, defined me for a long time. Um, because we are in the business of rejection as, I mean, we all know this, Um, you know, we, (laughs) we make ourselves look nice. We memorize our lines and then we go out and fail. That's what we do. Um, And I, I sent in a tape um, for a USA movie of the week back when they still did those um, for a book, uh, you know, made for TV movie of uh, Carson McCullers, the member of the wedding, which was a a book um, that had been turned into a screenplay for the main role and it was one of those things that like I worked with an acting coach and just like threw myself heart first into it and didn't you know let it go sent off the tape and then a month later I heard um, from them and they were like you you are this character we're going to have you come up to Wilmington North Carolina which is what Wilmington North Carolina maybe you guys remember this that was like the hot spot for film and television, like Dawson's Creek was there. Um, I'm trying to think what else was filmed there, but like, it wasn't Atlanta. It was Wilmington, North Carolina. That was the South. Um, so any like big thing that filmed, it was there. And we went up there, we, we stayed in a hotel. I met with the director, the producers, uh, somebody from the network, um, you know, and they were like, hey, can you take your braces off? Because it doesn't work. This is a period piece. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, and they were like, you have to chop your hair off. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Whatever you need. You know, and this is as a 15-year-old girl, like I'm going into high school and this is but 96. So you're talking like this would have been an enormous thing for me to get my braces off and chop off my hair. Like as a girl, that just wasn't done. I feel like now it's so different, you know, and you have people with hair all over the place. But back then, especially in the South, your hair was everything. Um, hmm. And I was like, Oh yeah, take it. Just, just take it. I want, I want to anything. Do it so give it to me. Anything. What just give me the I
0: right. right. take off my um, arm.
2: Yeah. So I was at this. So then, you know, came back, had the, had this amazing audition and they were like, basically the role is yours except for signing on the dotted line. Right. So right. I went to um, a summer performing arts camp um, and you know, had that, that feeling, uh, for, for really, I think the first time in my life where I just was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is going to change everything. This is going to open all the doors. You know, I don't know what's going to happen after this, but like, I just was so like, never more certain of anything in my life that this was meant to be. You know, I just felt like the whole universe was delivering this beautiful, amazing thing to me. So I'm at, I'm in the middle of doing stage combat class at this performing arts, um, camp and the payphone rings because of course this was before cell phones. So the payphone rings and, um, the, the counselor comes and gets me, he goes, Hey, your mom's on the phone. And I was like, Oh my God, this is it. Oh my God. I'm finding, I'm finding out, I'm finding out I got the role. Um, and she was really quiet and I was like, mom. And she goes, I'm so sorry the network decided to give it to a name. And I was like, "What do you mean? Oh.
0: You're you like, I have a name?:
2: Yeah, right. You didn't get it. Oh. And I was like, "You're well, like, I'm going to kill what, Melissa Joan Hart." Yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you who it was. Um,
1: <gasps> Please.:
2: So it was Anna Paquin.: OK and it was had you know, she been nominated uh, for an oscar yet this was after yes so we're about the same age um so this was she yeah so about 3 or 4 years after the right. oscar thing she, i think she was 11 yeah so then so then i find out that you know they want to give me um you know a featured extra role a background role uh, oh, and i and i'd go up you know as a consolation prize i'd go up for the day and you know be a bridesmaid in this in this wedding scene um and have a you know, whatever.
0: And the other extras can't eat from crafty, but you
2: can but you can.
0: And isn't that nice? Okay, so in school, were you were 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 you kind of like socially, were you sort of like
2: no. a cool oh God,
0: girl because what? of all this?
2: No, I was such a nerd. Um oh, nice. I was the biggest nerd ever and went through the most awkward puberty ever and like I had, you know, the Sally Jesse Raphael glasses and the big big red
0: bangs. rims. Yeah.
2: Yes. The yeah. big, thick baby bangs that were like here. And then here's the glasses and then here's my braces. So where was my face? And no, <laughs> it didn't even exist. Um, so anyway, yeah, um, it, that was crushing. Crushing. Be, I mean, beyond. And then to just drive the nail into the coffin and bury me. Um I went, you know, to to do a day on this film. Um, oh, you actually did? I did it, yes. Okay. Um, because, of course, I did. You know, I could put it on my resume, and, like, I was trying to learn that if I wanted to do this, I had to thicken up my skin. So, of course, the day that, you know, this scene was filming was Anna's birthday. Oh, You're like, it's my day! It was so... Like, you don't understand how much it is. I mean, have <laughs> you guys ever had a part just like taken from you that it, it's just like it, it was my part and I, mm. I can't. So then, you know, i trying to be the bigger person. I went up to her when I saw her between takes and I was like, hey, I hear it's your birthday. Happy birthday. And she like turns and slow-mo looks at me, looks through me. It's more like it looks me up and down and goes, who are you? I and I just I, I died right then and there, like I died. I died. I, I shattered in a million little pieces. Isn't
0: that the thing that you think about every night while you're just trying to fall asleep? One thing, of those thoughts from the past, just like you know what's remember so Anna
2: is like I can't even. <laughs> I can't even follow her on social media now. <laughs> and like she i mean come on she was just a 14 year old girl like my god i need to forgive her and move on like I, I actually respect her greatly i think she's a a great actor and you know she's working she's successful um you know i love the fact that she's out as bisexual and and you know talking about the fact that because a lot of there's there's bi erasure everywhere you know people assume especially if you're married to a man that you're not really bisexual you know a whole hmm. whole slew of things that um, that are reasons I respect her. Um, but I just can't get past that. And my husband has been like on this true blood binge, and I'm like, oh, no. And and he's like, Don't you <laughs> want to watch it with me? And I'm like, I can't. I'm so sorry, but I cannot. I just I cannot. And maybe one day we'll like do a movie together and we'll laugh about all of this and get drunk together, but today is not that day.
0: Or maybe she'll come up to you and say, Hi, I'm Anna. I just wanted to introduce myself. I know we're we'll like of days. And you'll be like, who are you? Exactly. Who?
2: Who exactly. Are
0: you? <laughs> but Sorry. obviously that that didn't deter you. You uh that I might mean, have hit you real hard, but you kept yeah. you kept going in the game. So let, let's let's, let's over, jump yeah. through. I'm let's sure. Jump. I'm let's sure jump. it's awful. I couldn't even I couldn't imagine handling rejection as an adult and handling <laughs> that kind of rejection as as a child, as a teenager in your worst years of self-doubt.
2: Well, like the, the highs and low the highs and lows are unreal in this business like they Terrible. are real. yeah
0: but you i'm know? glad you mentioned it because you know we are we are jumping to more of a th- like talking about the idea of this but you know that is soul crushing part mm-hmm. of the elemental um component of of this business is like striving amidst turmoil like Mm -hmm. some sort of thing that just keeps going even though you were hit you're hit you're like that guy that keeps getting punched in the face and you look up and you just laugh and he punches you harder. you're just like give it to me this is the business and you're built for this that's your ship and so of course i'm a big believer in whatever is handed to us from the universe or you know anywhere wherever we're only given so much that we can handle and so extremely difficult things that you've gone through are only things that Abigail could go through. And the next girl could not, it's just, it's given to you because you're able to handle it. And, um, and you, you learned something so early on about just persistence amidst defeat,
2: you know, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I felt so like high school, high school was enough as it was. I mean, I I'm actually really grateful that I that I didn't lose out on a normal high school experience. Um mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for that because you know, we really got to explore all kinds of things. We did the big musicals, we did Shakespeare, we did the black box theater, you know, the intimate character pieces, um and so I felt really prepared when when I went to college and I, and like I said earlier, I got a a theater scholarship to the university of Maryland. So like I went in and arrived my first day feeling pretty damn good because they had already recognized that I had some innate talent.
1: Um,
2: And I really, I, I'm I'm proud of the way that I navigated college because I made a conscious choice. Obviously, the scholarship helped, but I made a conscious choice to go to a liberal arts college because I did not want to live with a whole bunch of artists and be in a conservatory type environment. Um, Interesting.
0: Let me let me ask you why. When when I went to college, I did the same thing. I lived in a fraternity. I did the film stuff. I, I did other. While well, my friends were essentially spending immersed. The equivalent of like a varsity college athlete, how much time you're spending in the theater department, in the theater itself. I found that after college, actors who were in those confines for so long almost almost didn't have that human thing. Like they are just an actor. And those who kind of went the other way instead of the conservatory, they were just a normal person living with normal people who – now they know how to act like a normal person instead of act, act like an actor. Did it was that going through your head? Was yes. that in your strategy?
2: I lived with a whole bunch of organic chemistry and biology majors. Um and it was it, it was the best time of my life um, because I still had all of my theater classes and saw those people. I just didn't live with them. But you know, I lived with these these amazing people who were just um normal college kids. And so I had that quintessential college experience, you know, rather than just living and immersing myself in the constant angst. Um, and you know, I, I don't think it necessarily, I don't think I understood the ramifications of it. Then it was more once I moved to New York and realized, Oh, I actually, you know, every audition that I go on, I'm like, Oh, I know that person. Oh, I know who she is. Oh, I know I'm who this so is.
0: I'm so glad you're talking about this. I yeah, felt the same really, way. And I felt like I was the only person who like saw this, like, wh- why do these types of people really feel like a human being? And these t- types of people feel like a fake human, like not a yeah, like a robot trying to be a human.
2: It's it's really, and you know, I remember, I mean, I had college professors um, take to me in various ways, you know, they're quite a few did not understand. Um, I wasn't their cup of tea. I had one of them describe me as being flighty and I was like, okay, and what's the, (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't, I don't understand the problem. Cause again, I couldn't focus. I was just that little Woodstock flipping over the theater seats, you know, but it just annoyed me because like some professors were like, Oh, you need to be very, you know, you have to be a serious actor. And I'm like, yes, but comedy's um, a thing just in case you didn't know that, Mm -hmm. um, it does exist. But I was very, um, I found that I was always able to be conversational when delivering dialogue. And every time I would audition in the drama program, I would always nail it because I could cold read like nobody's business. Because I understand how people talk. Um, And this is probably a really good segue into my survival job uh, after I moved to New York. I got a job in retail and I thrived. I mean, I'm telling you, like, if it, if it was something I was into easily could have been my career. Um, And, you know, there were multiple times during the seven years that I worked for this company that I, I did start climbing the ladder and got a ways. And then I would like back off because something, an audition would come my way. But I, The wonderful thing about being an actor and having these survival jobs is that you already have the skills, the communication skills to like somebody would walk in. Right. And let's just say I was, you know, at one of the locations on the Upper West Side. Right. And a Columbus Avenue mom would walk in. I knew how to sell to her. Right. I could change my personality. And that's something I feel like only an actor really can do. Um, because I could speak her language and then they put me down at, on Bleecker street, right. In the village, mm. man, whole other crowd, same whole thing. other yeah. crowd. Yeah,
0: that's, that's our equivalent of taking in the room yes. immediately in one Read second, you know, just how to,
2: what's the control. universe yeah. of the play. How do I fit into this? You know? And so you can, you, you're a chameleon. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot I of our job you.
1: is observation and it Thank sounds you. like, when you were in college and you were surrounded by a certain group who had lives outside of the theater, it was easy for you to observe and see the things yes. that the theater students didn't. And then in the world of retail, you know, it's a revolving door of customers. Everyone's going to be entirely different. Everyone's going to have little ticks and things about them mm-hmm. and the way that they talk, their attitude. Mm-hmm. And as actors, as observers, what incredible practice, if you will, for just understanding human behavior.
2: Exactly. And I mean, you know, so it was never my time with L'Occitane, which is the company that I worked for. It's a French skincare company. My time there was so valuable and it was not wasted. I mean, I was always working, always working because, you know, even the beautiful thing about New York is that it's just this gorgeous human experiment and you can see all of these different kinds of people everywhere. And I think, you know, in hindsight, perhaps one of the reasons I left Atlanta was because I really needed my eyes opened as a white woman um, who can clearly not play anything other than this. Um, you know, I needed, I like, um, speaking of dogs barking, uh, where was I? Um, thanks a lot, Jane. Lost my whole train of thought. Jane, a- I like that. Her name is Jane Goodall.
0: Oh, nice! You are into animals, aren't you? I you love that. You have this. no
2: idea. You have no idea. I read I'm her sure.
0: biography. Did you read her biography? It's amazing.
2: I I worship that woman. Um, yeah, and our our puppy has um, double dew claws, so she actually looks like a monkey. Like she looks like she has opposable thumbs. Um, So the second we saw her, I was like, well, she's clearly named this. And my husband was like, are we going to talk about this? And I said, no, that's her name.
1: Yeah, that's it. Sorry. And we're not watching an Anna Paquin movie tonight. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Not today, Satan. Not today. (laughs) Poor Anna. But seriously, come on, bitch. Like be yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody no. clearly did not take her Cotillion classes like I did. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, oh, I know. I know. Uh, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, I feel like um as a white woman, I have to, I had to spread my wings and get out there and experience as many different kinds of cultures and stories as possible. Mm. And what better place to do that than New York? Um yeah. It was this yeah. after so, so Maryland, you, mm-hmm. right.
0: Okay. So after Maryland, you, you kind of knew you did, you did everything that you could do where you were and you set your sights on New York or, or were you flirting with LA?
2: Um, it's funny. I get asked this question quite a bit. Um, I, I was flirting more with staying in DC than, um, than LA um, for many reasons. Um First love of all, politics. I had, I love politics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so naive. Love that. it. Yeah. Um, I love DC theater. I feel like DC theater is so experimental and um, you get, there's these wonderful, like really intimate stages. Um, they have fantastic Shakespeare theaters there. Um, and plus like, you know, we had kind of start, hi, my love, my four-year-old saying hello to me. He had a half
0: day. Love today. it. Oh, I love that.
2: Welcome home, Eddie. I love you. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So Merit, so So New York, uh, LA. yes, 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 yes. So DC, um, plus I had a boyfriend, um, at the time. And so I, you know, there was that whole, like, do we stay and try to do this or, you know, do I go up to New York? And I ended up going to, uh, I backpacked through Europe after I graduated college. Um, me and my best friend hopped on a plane, and we were gone six weeks. and what? Wow, um, yeah. And you know, we worked three summers consistently to pay for it. Um we traveled all over again. It's just all about experiencing the world right. because I knew that at this point, you know, that I wanted to be a storyteller, and I just wanted to see and and experience as many different cultures and people as possible. Um, it's it, it is the most like. New York and, and Europe really have been the greatest teachers to me. Me um, too, I feel exactly yeah. the same way. Because um, all you have to do is go sit on the subway. Now it's a little bit more dangerous to do that because, you know, people will not be in masks anymore. But, you know, you go, you sit on the subway and just watch people yeah. or go to Central Park and just observe people being people. It's a free acting class. Like it's literally. I I
0: think the muse feeds off of action, and there, you know, I went through years of just that whole like waiting by the phone type lifestyle of just like, no, I can't go. Um, I'd love to go to you know Yosemite, but I I can't because I I have I'm I'm on call for this thing, and you know, um, and I just I so stale this feeling of staleness, and then when you turn everything around and you go travel, you go here, you say I'm going to put acting. It is important, but. Number two, life experiences is number one, Mm -hmm. because I think that's where all of the creativity and the inspiration comes. And if you're just waiting by the phone, you have nothing to grow.
2: And I'm so glad that I went when I did, because once you enter the workforce, you don't have that. And once you have kids, you don't have that kind of time anymore. So like there was just this tiny little window and I went, you know what? I deserve this. We deserve this. Let's just fucking go. It's fun to just not care anymore. Care. Yeah. Yeah. It's very freeing, uh, especially with auditions. Um,
0: when did you feel like that kind of started to come into your picture? Was it later in your adult years? Was it in your 20s? I think, well?
2: it's, I think it's still unfolding. Um, yeah. You know, I don't feel like, because I think we're so driven by ego, you know, that we are. We're selfish as actors and artists. That's that's who we are. Um because we're attention seekers and we need validation and we need to understand that our choices are strong, you know, people to tell us we're good um, and to see our work, you know, or read our work or listen in your case to the podcast. Um, we, you know, we need our audience. And um, so I feel like I, I go through those times where I feel very needy, but then I also can unplug and just realize how incredibly fortunate and, and, and blessed I am. I think that it really revved up um, my sense of being free once I became a mom, um, because I realized that it really isn't about me at all. Um,
0: and the more you abandon yourself yes. to whatever source that is important, you wonderful things start and happening, I, and right?
2: honestly, I just don't have the time. I don't right. have the luxury of time anymore to waste on worrying about how I am received in the room. Or any other way, because I've got two little humans that rely on me. Not to mention my animals, you know. So I think really, when I became a mom—a dog mom, a cat mom, and a human mom—you um, know, there's there's is this, this, this fundamental shift, um, and I actually appreciate it greatly because, again, I just simply don't have the time to dedicate anymore to worrying about it. And I love it. Um, Isn't it
0: great? That's great. That's wonderful. Were you afraid of, were you afraid of, of becoming a mother? Um, And we've asked this, we've asked this question before to previous parents that we've interviewed. Were you originally kind of um, apprehensive about what it would do for your acting and would it be affected? And would you, would you become just a mother when in fact it kind of did the opposite?
2: Um, I was terrified. Um, We were not, trying actively to become parents. We all know how these things happen. This is not the podcast for that. Um, So, you know, I find out I'm pregnant and I just wept, like fell on the floor, you know, keening because I was just so, so devastated and didn't know what to do um, because it felt so foreign to me. But and and then there was the terror that set in because I was in my second season of Blue Bloods at that point. Um, and I wasn't, you know, really an established character. I was just someone that they kept bringing back when, you know, like they'd pepper me in the scene and, and if I was needed, I'd be there. Mm. Um, so I was so terrified that this glorious opportunity that I found myself with was going to be ripped from me because oh we don't have time you know to have to deal with her being pregnant cuz they have to accommodate costumes and things like that but i will never forget i was with a, a friend and we went to see a play and i had gotten to the point where i was about 5 months pregnant and i was just at the point where i looked you know like i had definitively eaten a huge chipotle burrito like i could not <laughs> suck it in anymore i had been sucking it in you know for for 5 months at this point so I had a call into the producer to tell her. And I mean, like I was shaking with fear. I I have never been so apprehensive, literally about anything ever. And she finally, I got on the phone with her and told her, and there was just this tiny beep and she goes, Mazel Tov. And I just went, <laughs> oh my God. And I I breathed deeper. I mean, like, I yeah. cannot tell you the weight that was taken off. And she, it just was like, the easiest, most effortless thing in the world for her. And I went, why on earth did I agonize over this and wait so long? Like the things that we do not allow ourselves to do or feel because of fear. Um,
1: TVs and films, they're such huge machines, you know, and actors, even though they're a big part of it, they're only a small cog in this huge machine and you don't want to be disruptive or... Hey, sorry, I need, you know, this kind of treatment or a favor. You just want to like, keep doing your job, show up, do your work, go home, be reliable, all those things. So when it's something like that, exactly. Yeah.
2: Working actors deserve affordable and convenient coaching. That's why we created Book It! America's fastest growing one-on-one remote acting coach service, all from your device. We're not just coaches, we're working actors too. From Broadway and voiceover animation to TV, film, and commercial. Real actor coaching from real actors, catered especially to you and your path. Anytime, anywhere, we're here to train you, to guide you, to prepare you,
1: to book it. And so how did all that come about with blue bloods
2: getting the, the getting the role?
1: Yeah, with the you <laughs> were saying you didn't realize it was going to be such a recurring yeah. thing?
2: Yeah. Um so, you know, I was constantly auditioning. Um I was working with a um a manager um who would get me, you know, quite a, she got me in front of quite a few different casting directors. Um Now how did you I, get
0: this manager? <sighs>
2: I feel like, so I, I was with another manager for a very long time um, who ended up getting out of the business and um, she wanted to be sure that I was taken care of. So she recommended that wow. I interview with this other manager, um, which I did. And personal managers are another whole, I mean, we could talk for hours about whether or not you need them, um, you know, whether it's worth having 25% of your income skimmed right off the top. Um, right. But I, I feel that it is um, because they get you in the room. What you do once you're in the room is obviously all you. But if, it, if they are allow, are giving you that opportunity that you can't otherwise afford yourself, why would you not? Um, so is a business money.
1: of gatekeepers.
2: Yes, it really is. So I'd rather have 75% of guaranteed pay than 100% of income. I don't know when it's coming and if it's coming. Um, right. So this was a brand new show. Um, I knew that Tom Selleck was the star, Um, you know, and this was a role that, and I think I've said this before in other interviews, there was really no, it wasn't that it was right for me. It wasn't anything. They didn't have a gender in mind. They didn't have a race in mind. They didn't have an age in mind. It was Detective Mel slash Melissa. And it so was,
0: you're not only competing with people who are your type, but you're competing with literally every single. Literally
2: every. You have a pulse. Jesus. We'll see ya. And these are <laughs> scenes, you know, these are scenes with Tom Selleck. And at this point, like I had done a couple little bit parts. You know, I'd done some under fives on mm. SVU, um, and you know, a couple shows that filmed out in Connecticut. Are we there yet? Um, mm. <sighs> there was one other one. Jim Gaffigan
0: oh, was that before?
2: That was after. After. Um, after. Okay. Not too much after, but that was after. Um. After so you already. had your
0: bearings, you had done a, f- a little yeah, bit, but you were still I, not at that point though, where
2: no, this you had is your name a, on the back of a chair. Oh, Yeah, yeah. no, definitely didn't have my name the back the cha- on the back of a chair. Um, and, you know, I had done theater as well. The The um, the company that I worked for was lovely with um, letting me only work day shifts so that I could do nighttime theater, you know, so I was still, I was, I was working unpaid, but working and and auditioning fairly consistently Um this one, you know, I went in and this was in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which at, th- at that point I was like, what, what is in Greenpoint, Brooklyn? Like I'd ne- there wasn't a sound stage stages, up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was before Brooklyn became this big hub for shows. Right. Uh, because this is 12 years ago at this point. Uh, which it was insane. just starting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, the, the director was in the room, the casting director was in the room and the producer was in the room and I felt really great about it. And then I just let it go. Cause I was like, okay, you know, clearly like this is, I mean, a one in a million shot. Um, right. <laughs> and then, and then I got it and I was like, Holy shit, I'm going to work with Tom Selleck. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God.
1: Um, <laughs> and did you and know I, that this was going to be recurring or because no, you were kind of, no s- this was a this- one
2: off. This was a one, this character was now just, you have 200, 200
1: episodes. Absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Insane.
2: Yeah. And it just, again, goes to show you, and you know, I don't want this to be like an adage or some idiom or something, but like, it really does go to show you, if you make yourself indispensable within reason, you know, obviously you can't like be annoying, but like you make yourself indispensable, you're kind, you get to know the crew's names, um, you know, and you understand that everybody is a cog in a very big wheel you're gonna be asked back and tom took a liking to me instantly um you know i think we just i I don't know it's one of those things it's just one of those things that the universe you know you work long
1: hours man like tv and film you guys are you're together in a show like that you know where you guys are 22 episodes you shoot for nine months Yeah, You know, 16 hour days, you want to be surrounded by people who are reliable and good people because you have to spend a lot of time together.
2: And Tom is very, you know, Tom's his whole M.O. is authenticity. He really like it's important to him to get it right. Um, And he really dove deep into one police plaza and what it means to be the commissioner and. So he he realized that you know heavy is the head that wears the crown right when you're mm. the king and things revolve around you you can't actually show emotions but the people that are around you can
0: it's a leadership they, kind of yes, strategy or belief rather yes, right they are yeah. the
2: ones like your team your inner circle as he calls it they're the ones that can show what's actually going on the stress the drama um you know the the just how frenetic that, that universe is.
0: Yeah. The pillar he, does not crack. Correct. Everything else does. Right. Correct. Yeah.
2: So, so he, so he realized he wanted me back because I became familiar to him. Right. And, and we had such an easy, natural rapport that has now become this beautiful shorthand that mm. we can, we can get scenes out so quickly, you know, because we, we understand how the other one ticks. I mean, we've been working together over a decade now, um
0: and this happens sometimes. Sorry to interrupt Abigail, no. but like when when this happened on Play P- Playboy Club before it canceled after like three episodes, but I did the same thing because I saw it from somebody else. There's this girl, her last name is Cunningham, and I can't remember her first name, but she was on as a Playboy Bunny and she wrote thank you cards. I think we mentioned this in an episode before, but she did her her diligence as, as not annoying as possible of just saying, Hey, I just want to show my appreciation for being here. Sure. They knew that when when I was when I was brought on as like a co-star, sometimes in like the breakdown it might say might recur. And it's almost like and for those listening if you've never like been through this or heard about this but they do like Adam said need to trust that this person's going to be reliable for 200 episodes. And before that they they bring you on for maybe it's another 5 and it's just to test you out to to see if something lightning strikes like you and Tom, you know, Um, you can't just say, let's just audition a bunch of people and pick this one for the, for the person cemented in our show for the next eight years. They have to like trust. And the only way that anybody can trust is if they have, you in the room so they can gauge the familiarity and the chemistry and all that so if you're getting that under five don't think that for any reason that you'll never come back depending on what the role is there's always a a a, um, an opportunity for you to just be yourself and for people to uh, producers are always watching writers are always watching to see who they can kind of trust and bring back and enhance the storyline so good for you for doing it um it's hard to to toe that line of like i want to be noticeable, but not annoying. those noticeable. I want to be memorable, but not, you know,
2: it's, you have to be willing to be in the shadows and, you know, I really learned shine in the shadows. Yes. And I learned very quickly every time they had me back, you know, I didn't have a ton of dialogue. I was just always there. I was this steady presence. And I realized that like, I was the heartbeat of that office. And you can't do anything, you know, without the heartbeat. So like I knew what was going on at all times. And so I learned actually how to show that with my face without saying a word. Um, And I, I'm very, very proud of that fact because she has become this like beacon of non-dialogue. She just, she says so much without saying a damn word.
0: Yeah. Your best Um, acting is you're reacting. And yes. they say that, what, uh, communication is 80% nonverbal or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is the face. And what a lot of actors don't realize is you can say everything you want with no dialogue at all. And yes. the best co-stars and guest stars and series regulars are those who don't need lines to convey the story at all. Correct. You know, so good for and you. you, don't, you don't How did you figure that out? Did, was that was that just intuitive?
2: I think I think so. Um, yeah. You know, again, it goes back to observing Um, and just watching, I just really was watching Tom work. And I realized, um, almost instantly that Baker's relationship to Frank is the exact same relationship as my relationship with Tom. There is that mentor, um, uh, what's he, he, so Tom calls Baker Frank's protege He's like grooming her to become police commissioner one day. Um, she's she's literally his second hand, and so she doesn't, you know. I'm trying to think. Spinoff if show. Like a certain right. Um, I haven't named it Baker's dozen or anything, but um, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: I haven't thought about that at all. It, um, if ever.
0: it were a show, I, that's yeah. It,
2: what you know, I, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, it might be like Brooklyn, you know, nine, nine and be a comedy version of the one police plaza office. But like, I haven't thought about it at all. I never, yeah. Yeah. I would Ryan ever, Murphy don't, isn't going
0: to executive producer. Yeah, yeah, Maybe no, he will, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I, don't yeah, know. I haven't who, talked about him, yeah. Who the hell
2: knows? Maybe Judd Apatow would make a movie or something. Right. But like, I haven't, it's, I, don't th- I don't think about that. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but like, really, you know, it's just, it's been so much freaking luck. Like, yes, I, you know, made this character my own and have continued to flesh her out as as opportunity has afforded me but it was just luck you know i happened to be what they wanted someone who wouldn't compete with tom you can't compete with the sun you have to complement the sun you know like i'm i'm rotating around him and and very much a part of his galaxy but i am not the sun and i've never and i've never tried to be the sun he is the sun and so i I'm subject to his gravity at all times. So it's, it's shining in the shadows.
0: Which is very, very, um, which is very important that you, why it's very important to read the breakdowns of the other actors, especially in a, in a, in a pilot or, you know, you came in on the second episode with what little information you have. It's reading the breakdowns of the other actors. So, you know, not only like your chemistry and the reason you're here, but everybody else. And, if I'm on a baseball team and I know, Oh, that's the shortstop, that's the catcher. Well, okay. I'm the center field. Oh, okay. So I, I know what other people are doing. So that actually helps. Yes. The idea of what I do, you know? So, so you're so thorough. I mean, there's, there's no coincidence and I don't think it was luck at all. It's opportunity meets readiness and, and it's, it's what's inside that, that made this happen. But if the opportunity was there and you weren't ready for it or or you didn't, it was you. I mean, these unique experiences that, and insights that you have, honest to God, that a lot of actors just don't. And it's just a little bit of know-how and a little bit of, Yeah. I mean,
2: I do think, I do think it helped number one, that I was classically trained. Mm. Um, I really do. I think that a lot of these kids that are trying to break into film and TV now, you know, through YouTube and anything else, they just don't understand what it means to be part of an ensemble. Uh, They don't, they, they don't know. And they don't, They don't know, like, I, I mean, I took like my my acting coach back in Georgia was so phenomenal with have helping me go from big to small and big to small and fitting into whatever universe there was. And, you know, I realized very quickly that like Baker is not this, she is very stoic. Hmm. She feels, uh, very deeply, but she does not express it just like, just like Frank, Frank is like, you know, a kettle that's simmering and like, he, he doesn't explode. He's just, he's right there and he keeps a lid on it and she's very similar to that. Um, So they work really well together because they can vent to each other when and if they need to. Um, And and Tom and I are are like that also. I mean, there's such a mutual respect um, and I truly admire him as a person because even though there's many things we don't, agree on uh, many issues that we don't agree on. I have never ever felt minimalized by him, marginalized by him. Um, I have a seat at the table always. He is my biggest advocate and my biggest fan in terms of making sure that I am present. Like if I'm not written into a scene, he's like, we'll get her here. She needs to be here. She nice, you know, so he's no Anna Paquin. That's right. God. Suck it, Anna. (laughs) Sorry, mom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mom. And Brooke. I'm so sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, so so he's like in your corner, and yeah. and that's so he really, amazing. It really
2: that's is. Great. So you know, I I hear what you're saying with the whole like luck thing, but you know, a lot of it truly is. I mean, it's him too. You know, every relationship is two sided, um, and and a partnership. And I have learned. I mean, he is an entire masterclass in acting just on his own, just watching Mm. him is the most fascinating. And like, he doesn't do anything. He is just, he's so wonderful at being still Mm. and you can just get such a read on the heaviness that he carries with him. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't like, I I gush over him all the time. I just, I, I truly, I truly love him. I really, really do. And, and Greg and Bob, I mean, like I work with these, fantastic giants of, of stage and screen, you know, Greg's a, a Tony winner. Um, Bob's done Broadway and uh, they're, they're amazing. And they're, you know, they're my family. Um, they really, really are. And it, it reads, you know, I think it it does come through that chemistry. Mm. You can't, you can't force it if it's not there. Yeah. It's not there.
0: Did you, um, you know, we, we, we jumped to this uh, incredible point in your career where everything sort of culminated to this, this incredible point, but none of it could happen without whatever happened before in your twenties and, and how, I mean, what happened when you got out of school and you came to New York, you didn't have all these credits. Um, How did you start and what did, what walls did you hit? And how did you keep going?
2: It just was, (sighs) I mean, you know. Listen, I I moved on a high. Um, you know, I graduated magna cum laude. I had that mm. theater scholarship. I'd gone through Europe. You know, I was in a strong relationship with a very talented actor. Um, you know, had all these contacts in DC that I was leaving behind, and I was just like, I'm going to make New York my bitch, and this is going to be great. And then, you know, you move, and I had you know, $1,200 in my pocket. And it was gone the second I signed my deposit. And I had to instantly call my dad and be like, oh, so there's this thing called a security deposit that you also need. And um, I also don't have any money for food. And I also um, accidentally knocked my deodorant into the toilet and flushed it. And I have to buy a new toilet for my super. And that's going to be $400. Hi, dad. Thanks. (laughs)
0: Oh, my god! Yeah, oh, and, yeah, and it's, also it's, we have to bomb our apartment
2: is. because there's roaches. Okay. Thanks dad. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and also I have to join SAG and that's going to be like another $1,400. Right. Oh my God. So, um, you know, I started the way, like it, it's so, it's so hard to have these conversations. Now I talk to a lot of young actors and like the road that I took really doesn't exist anymore. So it's hard to, Make it relevant, um because like this was I came to New York at a time when it was the breakdowns on um in um oh my God, why can't I backstage backstage? right. that's that was like I had the Ross reports and backstage and backstage,
0: like the printout, the actual oh, thing yeah. or was it? yeah, yeah, yes, yeah.
2: like where you would circle things and go, okay, I'm going to submit to this. I had my, you know, my big eight and a half by eleven envelopes with my resume and my headshot. you know, mm-hmm and then actors access was around and that was the other thing that i used um so it's you know, funny there I, are
0: actors who are four or five years simply ahead and i'm reading this really cool biography from jenna fisher about the same thing and and she says what but like you take you take 5 years from like 2007 2012, everything changed in the yes, way that we get, we get changed. our jobs. So it's like yes. two different generations that were only uh, split by, by a couple of years.
2: The interesting thing, and like, now that I'm thinking about this, cause I'm trying to think, you know, okay, how did I get my manager? How did I, so working down in Soho, I was at one of the Loxiton locations and that, that area was bumping. Like we'd get a ton of celebrities coming in. Um, mm-hmm. And a guy came in who was a manager, I didn't end up signing with him exclusively, but he sent me out on quite a few auditions. Like we chatted. He was the only person in the store. Um, you know, I sold him some lavender hand cream and, you know, wrapped it up nice for him. Um, and he was like, listen, here's my card. Um, you know, I'd love to start sending you out to some things. And I was like, this okay. is at your work. Yeah, this is at I, my
0: to. I, I don't want I, I to um, sweep this away. I want everybody who's like listening to know this is just yet another example of a person just hitting the ground and going to her side job and just doing the thing that you need mm-hmm. to do. And Oh, look that uh, there's, there's somebody who's going to help people facilitate every, your dreams. I mean, like
2: I had, you know, I, I, helped out Mickey Rourke. Um, like I can't, Who hasn't? Even, yeah, but like, I, I'm trying to think of <laughs> it. I could tell you stories about Goldie Hawn. I could tell you, like, I had, I had paparazzi friendships. Like I'd come in and, you know, he'd come in and show me the pictures that he'd snapped of the day. Like I just, I, I made myself as available and open and friendly as possible, and people would stop mm. in, you know, and it was fun. Uh, well,
0: that sort of open personality yes. led to an approachability, and yes. it's no coincidence that you fu- the the right people found you because yes. you were open to it. You were not closed off like this guy who was like making stop. drinks and bartending, saying, "I can't believe I have to actually make somebody a drink." It's a bartender, you know. Yes, I'm but a-
2: mixology is very um, on fleek these days. I don't think anyone says that anymore.
0: Um, on flink, on fire, lit, on lit.
2: Lit. It's on lit. Yeah. It's very French. It's on lit. Well, In the name you, of this
1: you, episode. You
2: <laughs> on lit. What? Um, my So my manager that I started working with for, you know, quite a few years, I had sent her a submission um, with the cover letter, the headshot, the resume. This was through backstage for a project that she was casting and she called me and she's like, Hey, so I already cast that, but you know, I would really be interested in talking to you about whether you have a manager. I think you've got a great look, you know, you have a very like girl next door, all American look, and I'd love to talk to you and, you know, and see what we could do. And that, I mean, she called me on my cell phone and I had to like take my little, take it out of my little L'Occitane apron. It was my flip phone. And I'm like, hello, you know, <laughs> just um, so <laughs> hilarious the way that things go. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I made quite a few contacts just at my job. I remember there was one time in the time Warner building, um, when Renee Zellweger came in and I, I had, first of all, I adore her, um, for so many reasons. I just think she's so charming and talented. Um, and you know, she came in and I, again, I was, I'm, master at reading people and i i knew she wanted to be just left alone you know like i yeah. i'm i've never been the type of salesperson to be like oh hello what do you need and like be up your butt the entire time you're wandering the store plus right. our store was like you know 200 square feet it's a tiny little store so i just stayed behind the register i knew it was her instantly but like i was so chill um inside i wasn't but sure. you know but on the outside i was cool as a cucumber um So suave. (laughs) When she gets up to the register and I was like, "Um, I just have to tell you that I'm a a huge fan of your work. Um, And she looked up at me and. She she,
0: said, who are you?
2: Who are you? Right. (laughs) she, she, She lit up like a Christmas tree and she goes, are you an actor? And I said, I mean, I suppose that depends on who you're talking to, but I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm an actor. And she, she looked right at me. And just like saw into my soul. And she goes, you're going to make it. And I was like, um, she goes, no, you are. You're going to make it. Wow. I have carried that with me. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I hope I actually get to see her. You have
0: point. to tell yeah, her. Yeah, you know, you I have just, to find, yeah. That's going to happen though, you know, meant- down the road, like you're going to find
1: yourself. I bet the word work meant- tipped her off.
2: Maybe. Um, Because a lot of people would just say, oh, I'm a huge
1: fan of you. Right. It's different when you say, like, the thing that you do for a living, your work, I'm a fan of the art that you make
2: yes you
0: also yes. had the decency to not be to like hi renee nice to meet you i just i just a big fan right you, know, you had you know, that
2: like oh. if she if she needed i mean she was shopping most people that you know tend to come into the province store provence store and shop for lavender that's what you do french lavender is the best there is so she was going you know straight for the lavender candle and i was like Just saying, you know, there's a bubble bath that's really good. Um, Also got to do that upsell. You were in Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Yeah, I'm from there. The internet (laughs) says so, so it must be true.
1: You can look it up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Sell-off Yeah, so, you know, I, I think again, like having a job that um, respected my time and there was that, that mutual um, understanding that I would give back as 110% when I was there and be committed when I was there. But when I wasn't there, I was, you know, needing to do my thing. Um, If I hadn't had that job, I don't, I don't really know where I would have been like that. It was so pivotal to, you
0: could have easily gone like clocked in and been like, I cannot believe I'm at this high job. Let's just right. get through the day, sell whatever. This like, come terrible. on. Right. But you did not And good. F- like I I wish I was a little bit more open to the idea that wherever I am, it doesn't matter what crappy job I'm working at, there are things happening. And if I just open up myself and allow it to like wash over me that I'm right where I need to be and everything that's coming will come and it's okay. It would have been a lot easier.
2: Was it? I think it was, it was Mike Rowe dirty jobs with Mike Rowe. He has, yeah. this, he has this whole thing about that, about how mm-hmm. you can truly find happiness and success right where you are. Like yeah. you can find fulfillment. You just have to open your mind to it. Um, because it's, and, and I try to do that with my kids Mm. Honestly. um, And it's, it's not easy. Like they're, they're in a tough, you know, yesterday they, they take swim lessons. And yesterday my four-year-old, the swim instructor, they, you have to jump into the pool um, at the end of every lesson. And he does not like to go under. We don't know why he's been in the pool since he was six months old, but he just doesn't like to go under. It's just just like, it's
0: probably because he can't breathe. Oh, (laughs)
2: That does make Mom, sense. I like, tried to
0: breathe down there and my, it just doesn't yeah. work. You Went know, right up I, the nose. My
2: older one has gills, so like that makes perfect <laughs> sense. My God, you do love
0: animals, gills, don't you?
2: I <laughs> so do. One's my, <laughs> my dog's pet, a monkey. My pet manatee. <laughs> my pet manatee and I. <laughs> my du- my dugong. Um, uh, anyway, so um, yeah, so the the guy um, and he's he's the sweetest college kid, but you know he just like let him go so that he went fully under and then popped him back up. And he was never in any danger, um, but that kid was beyond traumatized, like shaking, sobbing. Like he was crying so hard that there were no tears. He was doing that like open mouthed, you know, like, "Uh, uh," you know, just, and, all I could do. And then at that moment, I'm like, God, come on. Like you can do exactly what, right. This is what you need to do. Just rip the bandaid off and do it. But at that moment, he just needed to be held. So I just did what needed to be done in that moment. And I try, you know, in in the middle of the frustrations when it's so freaking hard when, you know, when it's like 10 o'clock and they won't go to bed or when they wake up at three o'clock in the morning and they're wide awake and you're like, why to just be there and understand that, all of this is so fleeting and there, there is so much value to be gleaned just from these beautiful, intimate, tiny little moments. Like that is a, that is a short film just right there. Like you can take so much from that. And I, I I'm very grateful to my kids because they teach me all the time. I mean, like I'm constantly in the process of reshaping who I am Mm. because of them. Um, you know, and I don't know if we'll ever get it back in the pool, but that's another. <laughs>
1: fork. Oh, Abigail you know, Hawk. You're, you're incredible. Yeah. You 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 do you, do you have any advice for, you know, any kids kind of coming out of college who might want to be getting into this or, you know, any other actors, do you have any advice for people?
2: I mean, I think we've, you know, we've said most of my immediate advice, which is to be kind, um, do your job, um, and, you know, make, making yourself indispensable, make yourself needed, um, finding your joy in the work, um, where you are, um, and not being afraid to just like, take, take the job, even if you don't. Even if you're not going to make money, like a lot of my experience, I did a whole bunch of student films, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where you just do it for the credit and the DVD and the free meal or whatever. And like,
0: I did it for the money, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't get any
2: money for mine. (laughs) I got a whole bunch of worry, I didn't either. Yeah. I mean, at at that point, the food was the money, you know, I'm like, I got food.
0: You get lunch. That's amazing. I'm going to eat today.
2: Exactly. I get. Oh my God. Um, I don't have to pay for a dollar pizza. Um, (laughs) But you know, I think um you you have to get the experience because that's where you really get to play um, mm. is with those that like the underground theater stuff, you know, do the readings of your friends' projects. Um, you know, we're in this world where we're doing so much like zoom stuff now, and like just say yes to the readings, like make the time for it, and try to take at least twenty minutes a day to focus on your craft, whether that's television, film, theater, music, you know, whatever the case take 20 minutes to further because all the baby steps, they do add up. And I feel like that advice is very timeless. Um, you know, you just have to make the time because you're never going to have enough time in the day. Um, you're never going to sleep enough and you're never going to feel like you're ready, but keep, keep reading. Um, stay, stay on with what shows, you know, are um, film near you so that you understand when you go in what the universe is, know who casts them, um, you know, and what their style is. Um, you have to be a chameleon, um, and you need to have some form of easy income. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity now, to make income even from home. Like I have, I have quite a few friends. I've got one that comes to mind right now. She's a health coach. She's, she's a commercial actor, but she works for a wellness company and she sells supplements and vitamins and she makes like, you know, half of like five grand a month, just with this side hustle of, of selling these wonderful organic products. And like, because she's an actor this is her, you know, she she knows how to sell to people and how to keep people coming back. She's a fabulous she's fabulous at customer service. Um so you need to make sure that you've got income that's going to be there for you when things dry up like when a pandemic happens and you know, you don't have uh, work. Um that's And when you when
0: you have going. a little bit of that something that you know is 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 on the side um the most stressful and hardest moments which are really the catalyst of being so poor you just don't have that and and to not have that stress and the pressure of the money thing is the i think one of the hardest parts of acting really, so if you have something like that then what the hell are you going to complain about that you didn't get the right. call like that's the only thing you
2: have to think about it's You're not about eating going. or going yeah. um yeah. Yeah, I forgot. I had so many friends that had to just even move to completely different states and right. change careers entirely because of COVID. Um, yeah, yeah, you know the broad. I mean, so many Broadway actors who have kids that just they they had to, you know, in order to survive. Right. They, there was no work. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Abigail, where can people find you online? Well, um, I'm not on TikTok yet. Um, <laughs> I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter. Um, and I do have three movies out right now. They all dropped like at the same time, which is super fun, but it was, you know, the whole, like I filmed all of them in 2018, 2019 pandemic, then they all get released. Um, they are on, they're all available on Amazon. That's probably the easiest way to find them. Um, there is distemper distemper is on Amazon. Um, under the Stadium Lights, which I did with Lawrence Fishburne and um, Mel Gibson's son, Milo. Dashed, I saw the poster um, on iTunes last night. Um, I rented it. Well, we bought it last night. It, it, it turned out pretty well. I'm, I'm nice. actually really, yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. Um, cute little film. Yeah. Um, assault on VA 33, which is like die hard on steroids. Um, I play a general's wife and, you know, I get kidnapped and thrown in a trunk and it's super awesome. Um, and then, uh, the wrong path where I am, um, the villain which
1: drew Moreline was in that yes, with you. he was a guest on our was- show yeah I, I
2: love drew um and hopefully we get to work together again he and i had a, a blast um
1: he's such a great guy
2: he's a great guy that was a very hot film shoot that was just <laughs> very steamy but like it, i think we filmed in july and it was just disgusting so hot um like we were dripping off our makeup and we had to do you know Drew had to do all these stuff. Drew's just I mean, like, shirts off wrench. and he's just glistening. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, clearly that was horrible for everyone. Uh, yeah. 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 Just yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Right. Hi- Terrible. Heard him it and, all before. And Vince Odo, who was um, in Rocky, like the, the two of them, I'm like, really, can we just please, you know, that I'm eight open,
0: abs. I'm, oh my God. Yeah.
2: Or like right. by the dozen, you know, and I'm over here with my, like, oh, I get sunburned by being outside for 10 seconds. And I'm just like, exactly. Dollar? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh
1: Abigail Hawk, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time.
2: Absolutely. This was so much fun. Thank you guys for letting me talk your ears off for an hour. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: So glad you stopped by, Abigail. We'll uh, we'll have you back on very soon. Thanks for being here. Awesome.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) And am I actually leaving or are you just, you know, ending the recording? Because I don't know how this works anymore. (laughs) Love it.
0: You can you can go and you can go.
2: You are being recorded. (laughs) All right, well, great. I'll just unpin myself now. Bye.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's great. She's just a, a beam of joy. And, you know, she kept reiterating it, but it's so true. Show up, be nice, be a good person, make yourself open to anything and everything. And that will then, you know, contribute to what you do for a living, which is playing you know, people. And yeah, a lot of great wisdom in there and just great things to say.
0: Her uh, her perspective is exactly what people need to adopt. I mean, if I heard this from her starting out, it probably would have changed things a little bit for me in terms of being okay with where you are and just being kind and being a good worker and all that stuff. It's just there's an algorithm for success in this business. You know, there's a science to this art and it is just following that sort of mold of just working hard and having some sort of intuition um, that's going along with your talent. You can't just be talented. Like 75% of it is like what's inside and the type of person you are with your unique experiences. And um, that was just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It was great to hear her story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Well, um, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find out more about Book It Before the Break at bookitnyc.com, which pretty soon it's going to be bookitacting.com. We're switching um, sites. So follow us on Instagram at beforethebreakpodcast and bookit underscore nyc. You can check out Adam's stuff at adamdecarlo.com and follow him at that adamdecarlo, And you can follow me at TommyBeyond or visit to tommybeardmore.com.
1: I, I think we we hit it all. Yep, that's it. All right. Well, I'm gonna go do a self tape, and we'll uh, I'll see you next time. Break your freaking legs, man. Love you. Shall do. Thank you, everyone, for another great episode <laughs> of Before the Break. Bye, everybody. <laughs>
2: You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DeCarlo.
0: Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sturley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.